Welcome back. Ben MGM tonight continues live from the Beck UL studios. Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick with you tonight along with P.J. Glasser. Right now, Cubs, Mariners tied up at two, top of the 10th. No outs. Keegan Thompson pitching for the Cubs. Uh, Angels already up 2-0 on the Nationals. Patrick Corbin doing what he does best, giving up runs early. And Mookie Betts hits a solo, a solo shot for the Dodgers, so they're up 1-0 right now on our Giants. Not great news for me and P.J., now we're going to talk more about the NBA playoffs. We're also going to hit on the Masters. We'll do that with Dan Dibley, radio host, 2 to 6 p.m. on 95.7 The Game. Dan, thanks so much for joining us again, man. Let's actually start with the Masters. John Rahm, unfortunately, I was on Kepka. Didn't get the 66 to 1. Um, but Rahm starts with a four-putt double bogey, still ends up winning by four strokes, really just caught fire on Sunday. Also helped that Brooks kind of threw up all over himself. Your thoughts on the event and just kind of how dominant John Rahm looked. Uh, dominant, and you mentioned it, and uh, I apologize if I go into hushed tones because my seven-month-old baby has now gone to bed. Hello, friends. Uh, this is Jim Nance in the 18th Tower. Uh, I won't mail it in like that. If she wakes up, then I'll have to deal with it. But I approached this Masters from a, a betting standpoint. I decided to go two chalk, two long shots, well, long shots, kind of mid shots. So I went Rom at nine to one. I got Rory McIlroy at I think uh, probably eight to one or eight and a half to one somewhere in there. I went with Max Homa, and I also went with uh, Xander Schauffele as kind of my off the board or or down the table play. So I was happy that John Rom came through. I will say this though, when he four putted on the first hole of seventy two, I thought, oh blank, use your four-letter word of mm -hmm. your choice here because you don't often see a player go straight up double bogey to start a tournament and come back, but as you watched him in the first round, methodically climb his way back into it it's kind of like when you watch that Myler fall on the first turn it's like, oh, his race is over, and then all of a sudden after a, a couple of laps, okay he, he's back in it, so congratulations to John Rahm Hated to see what happened to Brooks Kepka, but the biggest loser in the Masters, Patrick Cantlay. I think mm -hmm. he's still waiting to, to hole out on 18. My God, Cantlay. His reputation got trashed. Yeah, call him can't finish. You know what I mean? Instead of can't I like it. That's a four. Uh, what did you think about this Masters? Because the weather, it felt like to me, sort of changed the cadence of us watching to the point where I didn't even know what round players were on because you're getting crossover rounds where some guys are on the second round and now some guys are playing simultaneously on the third round. I just didn't feel like, although I did love Rom's comeback, I just didn't feel like I got into it from a viewing perspective nearly as much as I have in prior years. I get that, and I kind of felt that on Saturday, and I like your use of cadence, Trista, because I think you're right, but by the time we got to Sunday, you woke up Sunday, and they wrapped up the third round, and by the time they teed off on Sunday, it was back on schedule. The leaders teed off about 2 o'clock uh, Eastern time, I guess 11 o'clock Pacific, so it felt like by the time they got to Sunday, everything had kind of worked its way out, and Having been uh, to the Masters myself, I know that the weather is always a factor. It's always hot, windy, cold, rainy. It's all of it over the course of four days. So that felt normal to me. But I think by the time we got to Sunday and we actually got a complete, full, final round as we should have, it felt like a regular old Masters other than Tiger Woods. And your heart goes out to him. I mean, the poor guy, it's a miracle he's even able to walk. So I'm not judging him. But 
I would have loved to see Tiger be able to finish. And I know that playing 30, I think it would have been 27 or 28 holes on Sunday. That would have been too much, and I get that. But something about not having Tiger there did make me feel a little empty. Does it feel like to you, Dibs, that what we're seeing from Rom is just this new renaissance of dominance? Uh, because Scheffler's very good. Obviously, there's a bunch of guys in the top five. But statistically, when you look across the board at what Rom does well, he's maybe number one in every category, if not top five. I want to say yes, Trista. Like, okay, he's going to be the next dot, 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 but let's go back in time and let's remember Brooks Kepka. Hey, Brooksy, didn't he win four majors? And let's go to Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth was white hot for a time and remember Dustin Johnson. If he wouldn't have three-putt, I think it was at Chambers, Chambers Bay, Bay from seven feet. I, by the way, shot a 95 there and felt pretty good about it, but <laughs> we've had these golfers before in a post-Tiger way. Even Rory McIlroy. So we've had Rory go on a heater, we had DJ, we had Spieth, we had Brooksy, and now we have Rom. So as much as I've been on Rom since his days at Arizona State, and I'm a huge Rom guy, just realize that there are so many other good competitive golfers coming for him. I can't imagine that Rom wins, what, five of the next seven majors? It's just too competitive now. Moving over to the NBA playoffs, the Warriors are going to have Andrew Wiggins, it looks like, for game one. Didn't play against Portland, but uh, they're huge favorites in the series. The series price, Warriors minus 275, the Kings plus 210. Game one, Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Kickoff, uh, tip-off. One-and-a-half-point dogs the Warriors are. What are you doing in the series? Do you think they should be minus 275 favorites, or do you think that price is a little off? The price is way too steep, but I think that that is indicative of how this series will go. That being said, I love the Kings in game one. I think that uh, the beam will be lit. Uh, hashtag light the beam. And I would get to that number early, minus one and a half. I'd actually bet it on the money line and you know, and not worry about having to, to sweat out a one-point victory. I think the Kings go all out. Their fans are going to be bananas in game one. But remember this. The Warriors have won a road game in every single playoff series going all the way back to We Believe. The last time the Warriors didn't win at least one road game was in the series against Utah after they stunned Dallas in the We Believe year. So I think Sacramento gets game one. I think the Warriors pull themselves up by their championship bootstraps. They get game two. They win three and four. The Kings get a, hey, we're still here game five. The Warriors close it out at home in six. The price, though, at minus 275, far too steep for me. I'm looking at this as a game-by-game -game proposal. I'm curious, Dibs, what do you think Andrew Wiggins is going to look like? I think he'll be about six foot seven with uh, – <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, sorry, Trista, it was too easy. I think he looks a little bit sluggish early. Uh, I know that he's been working out, and he said that he's been lifting. I mean, who among us hasn't? <laughs> That's pretty obvious here. But I think that he gets limited minutes in games one and two, maybe even game three. As we've seen from the Warriors, they like to gradually bring their players back. I do think Andrew Wiggins starts in game one, probably 22, maybe 24 minutes. By the time you get to games four and game five, I think Wiggins will be back to the player that we expect him to be. What do you think these totals are going to look like? Because Sacramento plays absolutely no defense, but now it's a half-court game. It's the playoffs. We know Golden State could play defense in the playoffs because they win championships. But, like, totals at 238 in the playoffs, you just don't see Ooh. that. 
Do you think that these are going to be under games? Do you think they're going to be high-scoring games, even though it's the playoffs? What, what would your prediction be there? I think game one is an overplay because of the adrenaline of the Beamers. I think you know they're going to be looking to light that beam from the opening tip. And so I do think that Sacramento is going to play with its hair on fire. And the Warriors, by the way, play very well at that tempo. So I like an over in game one. But after the Warriors lose the opener, 135 to 128, something of that ilk, I think that Steve Kerr will go in the locker room and say, guys, see, remember, we made our bones. We won championships based on our defense. And I think Draymond Green might actually take the mic from Steve Kerr in that locker room. So I love game one to be a high-scoring game. But after that, I do think the Warriors are going to realize that of all the teams that they can outgun, Sacramento may not be one of them. And ultimately, if the Warriors can squeeze this game down a little bit, and make it more of a of a tempo, a slower tempo game, which they haven't done all year. I think that's their key to victory. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I want to get your thoughts though on just like, do you think that the Warriors' road woes are going to just fade away as soon as they get to the playoffs? I don't know if they'll necessarily completely fade away, but Trista, if you look at their quote road woes on the year. And go all the way back to training camp when Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole. The video got leaked, and the team started the year with a five-game road trip, and they went 0-5 on that trip. And if you look at those games, they lost to Detroit. Yes, that same Detroit. They lost to Orlando. They lost games that they had no business losing. It's because they were a broken team at that point. They've had some bad beats on the road. The only quality win they had the entire year on the road was over Cleveland, and Wiggins sat, Steph sat, Clay sat, uh, Draymond sat. They all sat. The baby dubs, as we call them, led them to a victory over Cleveland. I do think that the postseason is a completely different season, so I would throw out their abysmal road record, and I think they wound up, what, 11-30 and 30 on the year, which is historically bad for a team that fancies itself as a championship contender. Who do you think matches up the best with the Warriors if they do get past? Is it Phoenix? If Phoenix is healthy, would they be your pick to come out of the West? Because I feel like everybody has a different pick, and nobody is picking the Nuggets, even though they're the number one seed. I think it is Phoenix because, you know, if you get uh, Nikola Jokic against the Warriors, I think that Draymond can guard him. Now, Draymond can't stop him, but I do think that the Warriors, if they want to put Wiggins on him, if they want to put a little GP2 on him, Draymond can guard him. A touch of Kavon Looney, if he needs to hack him, I do think that the Warriors have the ability to match up with Nikola Jokic very well, but the Phoenix Suns and Kevin Durant, the only thing that I think favors the Warriors in that series is the fact that Chris Paul actually is going to play, and Chris Paul, the Warriors are Chris Paul's kryptonite the last time Chris Paul knocked the Warriors out he was a clipper guys and that was about 10 years ago so the fact that KD though is on the floor and the Booker Clay Thompson trash talk I do think that Phoenix can win in a different number of ways over Golden State you know with DeAndre Ayton can be a problem in the interior Booker's unguardable and Kevin Durant when he's right is the best player in the association yeah, I'm curious, Dubs, uh, Tibbs, about the, our Dubs moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> moving forward after this year, you know, these, sal- these salaries and extensions that came in last year, they take effect starting next season. You know, Joe Lacob has talked about 
$500 million salary being unsustainable. Is this the last year, in your opinion, that the band is all together? I think so. And it starts with Draymond Green, who can opt out if he so chooses. But before we even get to Draymond Green, guys, Bob Myers, the president of basketball operations, is unsigned. So if Bob Myers decides... I'm out, or if they decide not to pay him, Draymond Green and Bob Myers have a very unique kinship. So if Bob leaves, then maybe Draymond decides he wants to leave. And if Draymond opts out, they can't replace his salary. Now, if it's a sign and trade, they can. But worst case scenario, Bob leaves for whatever reason, Draymond opts out, and now you're stuck with, what, Steph Clay and Jordan Poole? That's not good enough. And by the way, Steve Kerr entering his last year under contract. So I think the whole thing pivots based on what they do in April and May and hopefully in June. Dibs, we only got two minutes left. And uh, I'm guessing you're predicting the Warriors in the series? Yes, yes. I'm predicting the Warriors in this series, absolutely. I got to ask you really quickly. We got two minutes uh, about the Oakland A's. Two and seven. They have a team ERA, 754, 754, the highest ERA in all of Major League Baseball. How do you find any, like, do you try to watch these games? How do you find any enjoyment? Like, how do you sell anybody on the A's and that payroll and just that team? I I don't. I try to sell. I mean, why would I want to sell anyone on the A's when their own ownership? I don't know if you guys follow Damon Amendolara. Yeah. on Twitter. He had a great 12-minute rant, and he absolutely nailed it. It's criminal what the owner, John Fisher, is doing. Two years ago, when they gutted the entire team, he raised the prices on everything, tickets, parking, concessions. He doesn't want A's fans to show up. And when Damon mentioned that they had 3,000 fans in the stadium, that was an overestimation, quite <laughs> frankly. What he is doing, the owner, John Fisher, is sports criminal. It's it's a felony. He doesn't want fans to go there. The product is not even second rate. It's embarrassing. So when my friends ask me about the A's, I tell them, don't go. Don't support this product. Dibs, next time you come on, I got to ask you about Wheel of Fortune. I never realized you were a contestant until I saw this photo. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Three bankrupts. Three bankrupts. Wow. That's all I gotta you need go to back. know. I got to go back and look at the episode. Dan Dibley, Dibs, thanks so much, man. We'll talk again soon. Ooh. Catch up 2-6 to six on 95-7 The Game. Trista's favorite station, her dubs. Our dubs. Her Oakland A's. I tell her you Seth what, there's Brown. a reason our dubs are championship contenders every year. They have the best communications department in the business. <laughs>